Welcome to Weird Sounds, an audio companion to the Boston Art Book Fair and Boston Center for the Arts. I'm your host, Oliver Mack. And I'm also your host, Randy Hopkins. Oliver and I are the co-founders of the Boston Art Book Fair, which has brought us into contact with an incredible array of artists and creative thinkers. We want to share some of these conversations with you. And that's exactly why we started Weird Sounds, as a podcast to document the ways that people are making art all around us these days. We have so many questions for artists because we love hearing about the ideas and images, inspirations and aspirations behind their practices, and we know you will too. Kristen Texera is a New York-based artist from Massachusetts who creates minimalist, abstract paintings that poetically document and capture memories. We caught up with Kristen in a cabin deep in the woods and talked to her about her work, her collaborations, her life, and about sassafras. And in this episode, Oliver coins the phrase, the Kristen bat signal. Welcome, Kristen. How's it going? Thank you. It's going, going real well. How about with you? It's going great. Thanks for talking with Randy and I about uh, life, about uh, art, and about uh, what what you've done with your incredible years on the planet. Uh, where where are you right now? Currently, I'm uh, I'm I'm in New York State, about two hours north of the city, and living. I've, I've been living out here for like two years now in a cabin in the woods, like actually surrounded by pine trees and hemlocks and oak trees. There's a sassafras tree right in front of me. Can you make drink out of that? You can. Ooh. Yeah, someone nice. came over a couple of years ago. She pointed it out. She was an herbalist, and she pulled a leaf off the tree and then crumpled it up in her hands, and it smells like mm. pepper, kind of. But I guess you can make teas and potions. We kind of just let it do its thing out there. But long story short, I'm upstate New York. Not uh, I shouldn't say upstate because real upstate people get mad about that. I'm two hours north of the city, right on the Delaware River across from Pennsylvania. So that's that. How how lucky that you're there right now cuz it's been it must've been insane to be in the city uh last year and the previous. So what what prompted the move? You used to be in the na- uh your studio was in the Brooklyn Naval Yard? Yeah, I was in Brooklyn. I was in Brooklyn for about 7 years. I had a studio in the neighborhood. I lived in Crown Heights in the in the Navy Yard. I lived in Crown Heights. And then Right when I met my boyfriend, we were both kind of in the zone of like, sometimes it's hard to to ride the wave of New York City and just kind of want to reconfigure what what we really wanted without kind of the, the, the tunnel vision of being in the city. We we're like, let's get out. Let's go see. Let's go see what it's like out in the woods. And we ended up Airbnb this place through a, a photographer that Brian, my boyfriend knew we stayed there like when we first met. And then like two years later, we visited again, became friends with the photographer and he was like, yeah, I'm just going to like, I'm thinking of selling this. Do you guys want to buy it? And so <laughs> we got to like test drive the cabin <laughs> and then moved in. Um, but we were still back and forth between New York city and up here. Cause my studio is there. We get a lot of work there. It's it's still nice to like be in the mix and get the energy of New York City, like fill the battery up. Um, but we got so lucky because we already had a, a spot up here and could kind of hunker down and keep to ourselves during COVID. I did feel like I missed out on a little bit. Like there's something like 
when big things happen in New York City, that it's such a learning experience. So I was having a little bit of FOMO, even though it was like really hard for a lot of people. Still is. But yeah, we we're lucky. What do you what do you feel like you missed? I don't know. There's something like really intense about I don't know, like I mean, even but like the energy of like when the Red Sox win in Boston and then everyone's out in the streets and everyone's celebrating together. That like when there's a big celebration in New York City, there's like this humongous heartbeat that you're a part of and that you can't experience that anywhere else. Mm-hmm. And then when there's like tragedy or something difficult, that also is equally like uh, a communal experience at such an intense level that I felt like it would, I mean, it could have changed me in a way that I like subconsciously I didn't really know. Cause there's all, there's so many lessons to be had down there. So like the grass is green up here, like literally, but I still got, I still got heart for, for Brooklyn. Yeah. Randy, what years were you in New York? You live there too, right? Yeah, I was there in the 80s, but you're so articulate the way you, you say that, because I think that's true. You kind of feel like you're on the front lines of something. Mm-hmm. I mean, for us, it was every, you know, from like the garbage strike yeah. or what, you know, whatever, but you just feel like there's such an intense sense of being like going through something mm-hmm. together there, yeah. especially because adversity can hit so hard. And also, like you say, like joy, but I never, I didn't really think about that. That's, I've only had that in Boston, I think, during the marathon bombing. And I was like, a horrible, but it was like, you just felt like team Boston. I mean, just this incredible connection to your community because you felt so Mm. vulnerable and threatened and terrified and, I don't know, it's interesting to think of that. It's also beautiful when like hard asses, like, because like Boston, Boston and New York, I think have some overlap, overlap there where, you know, we don't, we don't like stop to say, have like long conversations or talk about the weather in the streets, like be direct and like, let's move on with our day. But then when you have that contrast of like, like hard, tough people coming together to be like, I will defend you. Like I'm here for you. It's like, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing to be a part of that. Yeah. I think people are drawn to city energy, even if you need to hide out in the woods. I mean, I head for the beach, whatever. I also can, but that that city connection is really real if you if if it energizes you right yeah. yeah i totally agree and um i it's it's i've always i was wondering what what i guess it's a lot different to experience it uh all all of the crazy you know the riots the 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 anguish and the the the, the weird elements of celebration that happened in the past year uh from a screen uh that removed in the in the woods has that really uh affected like what what you're working on or how how you're processing your memory maps i'm trying to think about i felt so i was trying my best to still stay connected and i think that i picked up on the kind of even though my day-to-day didn't really change much because we're up here kind of secluded as it was I still felt like the energy of everyone else having this shift of of change and being isolated and whatnot. So there are a couple collabs that either I initiated or friends came to me with, and that was great to have that motivation keep keep me moving and 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 have some sort of direction. One of those projects was 
a friend of mine who's a photographer in San Francisco and her photo assistant, stylist, art partner in... Oh, frick. She's in another part of the country. I send her letters all the time and I can't picture where she is. But she's in the middle of the United States. And I'm in New York. And we all worked over the phone and then on Zoom and all that to um, have this dialogue between our art where they created these still life photographs that were very colorful and abstract with just different objects. And then I painted from their photos and then I created a new set of paintings and they paint and they created almost replicas uh, of my paintings with, with their photos. So that was just like something to keep, (laughs) keep the wheels turning. And then, um, and I also teamed up with some kids in, in Brooklyn who run this t-shirt company called Stay Educated. And they did a little bit of writing on a topic that we chose, which was love and protection. It was called Amor Armor, little plain words. And then I painted from their little like poems that they wrote. And then we made a t-shirt together. So those are a couple of little projects that kept um, my hands moving. I think that answers the question. Okay. It was a little tangent. Give me more. What else we got? Oh, no, it was good. Cause uh, I think the, the thing that drew me to your work originally was you're able to, you know, go between fine art and then this really incredible body of collaborative product, which is affordable art, accessible art. And then you're also knocking out murals the size of, you know, Gillette Stadium. And I'm trying to understand how you know one person achieves all that and is able to do that and not go insane yeah i think i mean i think i was going i was going a little too fast for for my body at some point but i don't know it's like this hunger kind of i i was presented with a lot of great opportunities and then i just almost blindly was just trying to get everything done it sometimes takes away from the soul of the artwork, like a few, a few of these projects, like murals and commissions that I've had to do turn into something more commercial and it's, it's a means of living. And I'm so grateful for that. But then, uh, at the same time, it, it cuts into exploring new ideas and art and but like the sort of sacred making that's just for me. And I haven't really given myself much time to even think about new topics to explore because I've said yes to so much is like this rat race to keep up. Like now, now that I, I'm lucky to be a, a practicing fine artist as, as a, as a means to live, it takes away from, from being able to make art that I think is more from the soul. So it's kind of like a balance that whenever I get kind of bummed on that, I just try and zoom out and think like, all right, right now I'm just grinding I'm still able to exercise my artistic ability. And then like, maybe that'll buy me some time to just, you know, take a couple months off and, and make some work that feels new for me. Um, so that's the way it was going for a little bit. I'd go off and do art residencies. The last one I did was just before the pandemic. It was the summer of 2019. I went to Ireland for two months with, um, through the Joseph and Annie Albers residency they're some of my favorite like my favorite art duo and 
I was in a cottage in Ireland with no internet, like in the middle of the farmland out there. So when I went home at the end of the day, I was like, I'm not, I like have nobody to talk to. I have no distractions right now. So I was really getting in my head in a great way and feeling lonely in a good way. And that was like the last body of work that I was super proud of came came out of those two months of just being really alone. Yeah, I love the series that came out of that. I would, can I ask like a kind of a go back in your history question? Because I relate also to your work is just so strong and music and conversation and things that are like so like daily life for everybody, but your way of capturing them. I, I mean, it's both feels so personal to you and it feels really relatable. I'm just curious how you developed that. Like if like what your sort of early moment in your career where you felt like, wow, this is really my voice and it's the part of me that I want to share with the world. Like, did it come through music? Did it come through text? Did it come through color? Like all the cool things that you're so strong with. I'm, I'm really curious, like the first moment where you thought like, oh, maybe this is hmm. who I am as an artist. Yeah, I think it, it, it took me a long time to be okay with what I was drawn to in the art making process because I came from a pretty small town in Massachusetts where I did not have many examples of practicing artists and especially abstract artists who were successful. So my idea of a painter was like, I don't know, some John Singer Sargent, like Boston Public Library, figurative, beautiful, um, like representational work. And that's how I started off was just mimicking what I saw doing still lives, um, landscapes, portraits, whatnot. But then I think that it was my third year in school. Instead of getting assignments from school, we we were just put in our studios and they're like, all right, paint. I was like, what do you mean? Like, aren't you going to tell me what to paint? And it became about color. I had, I was doing these, um, these paintings of chairs, like I would find cool old chairs in the street and I really loved their form and kind of the hard edges of them. And I had two light bulbs in my studio. One was a warm and one was a cool, and they would make these really interesting shadow colors in the back of the wall. So I started paying attention to the color interactions of these shadows that were cast from the chair. And I really loved that felt really interesting to me. And then on top of that, when I studied abroad in, in Italy, it was the first time I'd ever been out of the country and kind of completely overwhelmed with new visuals and smells and colors. I felt like I couldn't, my bucket was just always overflowing. I couldn't take in the information and the excitement fast enough. So I would just be writing everything down that I saw that moved me. And then from that writing, I would mix the color of something that I saw, like like the relic of a saint's hand in a basilica that was the color like of pea soup green or something like that. So I started kind of collecting these moments quickly and then just the essence of them was color. And then that ended up being the way that I would tell stories. So these moments or these adventures or travels or even conversations, conversations I was having with people were categorized in my mind by color. And then that sort of started being the the subject of my work. But it took me a while to be okay being abstract because I was like, 
I'm not going to be able to make a living. My mom's like, what the hell are you painting? <laughs> like, we sent you to school for this. <laughs> like, it was really, I had a lot, a lot, a lot of doubt. Um, but then I also was really lucky through doing different art residencies and, and meeting other artists along the way that uh, were examples of practicing abstract artists. I was like, okay, well, like if you're doing it, then it kind of like soothed me out a little bit after a while. And I, I really like that you were able to develop such a signature style though. It, it just, it seems like once you had that breakthrough, it became your own and you ran with it and you were able to approach it with a really strict methodology almost as far as using it as a way of documenting using it. In a way, uh, and there's also this element of synesthesia, right? Where you see color in all these other elements somehow. Right. So I didn't know, like, I, I kind of wish I never learned that word synesthesia because all like all my life I was like, this is just, this is just how I see things. This is how I break things down, how I write and collect ideas and memories. And then I had a visiting artist come to my studio and he was like, oh, you must have synesthesia because I was doing these paintings that were just like three or two colors of different people I was interacting at the art residency, the colors that came to mind when I interacted with them. And uh, as soon as I had a definition for it, it was kind of like I started seeing it everywhere and it felt less natural to me to, I don't know. I just kind of liked not knowing that synesthesia was a thing because I don't, I don't know. The more, I, I don't know. I'm like blubbling, but just, just continue to ask me questions. We'll keep, keep it going. No, but it's like, you're able to translate things like music into a color map, which I think is brilliant. And I, I guess that's, uh, for me, that was... They're uh, a really nice, a nice way of interpreting other elements of life through 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 what you do, and I think that's that's a really great way that you you touch other things. I mean, my favorite projects that I've done that involve synesthesia are sim like similar to how when I listen to music, I'll see a certain color. That's kind of just like an exercise for me, and also it helps me like open my palette to a different variety of colors oftentimes I'll, I'll go back and kind of mix same colors that just I'm drawn to and the song paintings kind of I can find some like really muddy ugly colors that feel like they go well with something that's like a little bit I don't know there's more juice to it but synesthesia type paintings that I feel like have been most successful are when I'm painting the colors of people um, and places because they end up being an acknowledgement of, of an interaction that I've been lucky enough to have with another human being. And also it's, it's a, a memory that a person can take with them. So usually if I'm painting a, a person's colors, then that's like a gift for them. And then that just ends up just being proof of, of us being at a point in time together. And it just feels kind of like this portal where you can, you can time travel back to that place and back to that moment or at least acknowledge it and um, pay respect to it, I think. And I just feel grateful. Like when I interact with other people, that's proof to me that, okay, I've existed. Like I've reflected in you. You've reflected back. Like let's seal this in time. And so that's what those color paintings are about usually. It's Yeah, it's amazing that you're able to, you're able to turn abs your abstract work is really just documentary. You're, you're, 
you're creating, you're, you're documenting interactions with people you're, or things that resonated with you. And it's, it's, it's really great that you're able to convey that to others in such a ma- massive way. So the, the murals, are they also kind of uh, document, documenting people and places and memories? The murals usually are, I try to make them site specific. So um, they're, also, they're abstract, but they might tell a story about the space or a story about the history of the space. One that I did, the most recent one I did was um, in Chelsea Market at a, the Google bought like a, a new building down in Chelsea. And it was a former MLB offices like for baseball. So there, I had like, I just kind of like pulled subtle references of a baseball diamond and um, a scoreboard. And, and they're very like geometric kind of abstract shapes, but... I wanted to make sure that there was like a specific from from life imagery within within the abstraction, and that the colors also came from like uniforms and yeah, just different some, some baseball references up in there. <laughs> you seem like such a collaborator. Is it different collaborating with like a big company? Like like are are you feel like uh, people who engage you for collaboration like appreciate your creativity? How do you navigate that? Yeah. I mean, I've been lucky in, in the past couple of years. I think it, that that companies that I've, I've worked with respect what I do and are kind of like, it's open-ended. Like, we like what you do. We just want it for this space, whatever. It's a lot of work. There's like a lot of back and forth with um, mock-ups. I, like, I really wish that I had studied graphic design sometimes because like, I had to figure a lot of this these Photoshop type things on my own. But now it's not so bad. It just took a couple of years. But like in the past, like I don't know, maybe when I was in my middle 20s, I was saying yes to so much and saying yes to a lot for for no money and it was very stressful because there was a lot of control that these companies were like no can we switch this can we do this whatever whatever and i'm like well why did you even ask me to do this guys <laughs> like what's the what's the point here but now i can kind of weed things out or um or say no but i've been really lucky the past couple of years to just work with some some sweet companies or foundations that make it really easy to just come up with an idea yeah that hits with me because i deal with so much of that corporate stuff and i don't have any element of myself in it so i'm i get to be removed like i hide behind say like another name or another brand uh but for someone to put their their personal their very personal work which you know is your memories and everything onto something and then have people pick it apart is like takes the fun out of the out of the the experience entirely my god no that's the spooky thing too where where i mean i lately i've been a lot of my work has been other people's memories or sort of this middle ground of something that i'm not so personally attached to because when i was making paintings about myself and my memories from childhood or you know heartbreak or family matters like and then people are putting price tags on that. I was like, "Shit, am I selling my dreams to you right now?" <laughs> like, this feels yeah. it feels rotten. It feels like bad luck. And so to sort of temper that, 
I, I opened it up to people can come to me with memories of their own. And then I can, I'll create a, a map, uh, like a memory map composition based on their story, which is also sweet for me. Cause I like, it's usually beautiful adventure stories or love stories. So it's all po- like this positive exchange when people come to me with a memory that they want plastered and paint. But yeah, it was kind of, it was, it was weird for a little while, just selling my soul away with my very personal painting. So I keep some of that to myself now. Do I even understand that? Is that like commission work? Is that what you're, oh, that's so, that's so nice. That's really interesting. So that's what I've been working on recently. I've had, I'm just like kind of docked up a couple commissions where, um, there's a couple who came to me with the memory of their wedding day that just went down a couple months ago. Um, and then there's another woman who was just looking for something that was influenced by the sea and the woods. Um, that was like much more general, but some people like come to me and they're like, these were the colors of the bedspreads. And then we had these types of flowers around us at this time. Like just like third. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of a boring example, but you get the point. But something I can relate to. Yeah. I don't know about boring. Cause it's just so, uh, it's universal. Do they ever get upset with what you fixate on? I mean, I was just looking at stuff of yours, like somebody's wooden spoon story or whatever. And I thought, is like, did you pick out like the part of the story that you just thought like, oh yeah, that's like, that's going to be like the thing for this, the wooden spoon. With, uh, with the commissions, I try and just incorporate like everything that they, they want highlighted. And I kind of have like a template now, like you can give me as much information or as little information as you want. And then I'll give them a couple um, samples to choose from. So with, with commissions, the one-to-one it, there's usually like, you can't complain because I'm giving you, I'm giving you options to choose from and, and you pick it and we'll work it out. But with the, like the wooden, I think the wooden spoon one, that was a series that I did of, it was called many mothers. It was, yeah all of like all the women, well, a a selection of women in my life that I consider like mother figures. (laughs) Actually, I think the wooden spoon was my actual mother because I'm from an Italian family and, um, there was no violence involved, but she used to threaten us with a wooden spoon to like, like, if we're in trouble, the spoon's coming out. But yeah, it's just, I mean, I just like to have a little bit of humor in there too. So but the details are, um, yeah, the details are what stick in, in my mind as well when, when, when I'm told a story. So it's, it's really, it's really nice to see you, your interpretations of other people's, other people's, you know, souvenirs, other people's lives. People are handing me some gold, like some really precious moments sometimes. Like, um, this one person that, who I worked with, his father had passed away a few years before and he wrote me like, uh, a series of maybe 12 different little anecdotes of, of this time with his brothers and his father. And, um, I ended up making a series of a few different paintings based on these blurbs that he put out. Um, but it's just like, that's like some real, <laughs> some real love and trust is put into s- someone giving me a story or, or a memory like that. Yeah. I just feel lucky to be able to have interactions like that with others, like strangers become friends in seconds when they're 
sharing these very intimate moments with you. Well, I think that's the thing about your 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 body of work. It's like it's almost like a, a lasso pulling in the right people. You have the you have the 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 Kristen bat signal up in the sky for those who could see it, and it's it has this beautiful form and and color to it that uh, will attract those other those other bright souls. You know, uh, with with the work with work you've done and where you're at, like, do, have you spent a lot of time wondering how did I get here and what what were the steps that that brought me to this level where I'm able to call myself a fine artist that's kicking ass. Mm. <laughs> Thank you. I I think I'm questioning that all the time because it, it's very easy doing what I do and then also living in a world where we have such access to see what everyone else is doing um, to get down on yourself and to compare yourself. So yeah. I feel lucky that I get to have conversations like this that remind me to kind of like backpedal a little bit and uh, remember the steps I took to, to get to where I am now, because like there, there are so many times where I just go like in a spiral and I'm like, I'm not doing it. I'm not in the city anymore. I'm not represented by these galleries, etc. But there's so many different types of success out there. So I, I'm just lucky that I got like some supportive friends around me that are like, we can jazz each other up really. Um, and remind each other that like things happen at different times. Um, and that we just kind of have to set markers for ourselves, I think. And, and that's what I like. I tend to like, whenever I start a new sketchbook or every few months or so, I'll kind of write down goals and then I can flip back into the sketchbooks and be like, oh, damn, like I, like I visualize this, I visualize the steps that I need to take to get there. I talk to certain people about it and it, it might seem unfathomable at some points, but it ends up rolling out with due time if you keep putting the, the effort in and also just get lucky too. <laughs> and, and really lucky to be in the right place at the right time. So, Well, success seems to be a preparation plus opportunity or luck seems to be preparation plus opportunity combined but uh, i agree with that too i'm just gonna say you seem i love the all over the Kristen bat symbol what do you call it bat signal but i do think you're like putting out a kind of generosity that like draws good stuff into you i'm now looking at your work in that light and just like realizing what people entrust you with is incredible and with like what you kind of caretake for like document is seems is the word, but just yeah. really cool. Anyways, uh, I think it's also really generous of you to say this because I think a lot of people listening to this or artists are gonna have those same feelings like mm -hmm. a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and just people in the world who are have that feeling a lot. Right. So, just that had to put in like a, a heartwarming moment there, Oliver. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we'll put a we'll put the appropriate um soft piano music. I'm sorry, probably time to for a glass of wine or something. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Anyways. But uh I yeah, the the whole thing of um yeah, comparison being the thief of joy is yeah, I I totally uh feel that deep down as far as how how we have to navigate uh the contemporary 
half digital life where like 50% of you is an avatar through a screen and it has to be compared to like everybody else's avatar or sim. It's just, yeah, modern, modern life was not how we were uh, supposed to be, but we must make the most out of it. True. Just got to try and do our best with what we got right now. So with, uh, do you, how big is your stack of sketchbooks right now? Um, I have like a small book, like, like five slot bookshelf worth of them. So I've been keeping, I've been kind of properly keeping a sketchbook since 2006 2006? Damn, that's a long time. That's how long I graduated high school. Yeah, so I I I, I kind of would depending on where I was in in the state of life, I could go through a sketchbook in a month or three months. Currently, it's been like I've kind of been riding through the same one since since January right now. I when I'm more active in my sketchbooks is when I. When I was in the city, I think, because it was a part of my morning routine, like get up, be on my own, go to a coffee shop by myself. And then I would just write and write my to-do list or just write whatever kind of I was processing at the moment. And also there's like, when I give myself the space to do these sort of subconscious free writes, then a lot of memories kind of like sift up to the surface there. And then I can use use that uh, information in in work so a lot like a lot of the paintings that are of my own memories come from that practice of just kind of having these free these free rights maybe that's why i haven't been doing so much of my own personal work lately because i haven't been writing as much um but there's time for that still so there's always time yeah that's i mean it's, it's you always have to figure out one what you want to spend your energy on and it seems like you've got a lot of things that are always pulling at you. Yeah, it's true. It's hard to find the balance. But again, like that's why it it I find it healthy to just like zoom out in the span of three months. Like, okay, I was balanced over this chunk of time. Like I might not be balanced today or this week, but I chilled with family. I had alone time. I got some work done. I've been out weeding the garden. And then just planting seeds for for future projects. So how's the coffee shop life where you are? What are you? Bad <laughs> news, bad news bears. I just, it's just my my living room, basically, just making coffee at home, which isn't. It's sweet. I mean, it's just like a different lifestyle now. Um, because co- like morning coffee now, as we walk around, and my boyfriend and I would just like look at what what flowers have budded in the garden. <laughs> like very. <laughs> Uh, like it's like retired life kind of, and I need to get out of that mentality because I have a lot of work to do. So, but yeah, it's just different. I, I have to come up with a different routine. Um, I don't have up here, up in the woods, I don't have a studio space separate from the house. So it's another reason why I haven't had this kind of like alone rabbit hole time really. Um, so I've been lucky to have other kind of commissions and, and work things come through to, to keep my hands busy. And then hopefully I can build a dream studio someday soon and get that going. I'm looking forward to uh, building my own dream studio to a little bit separated from the, the main house so that, yeah, you could have that separation and, um, 
there was a documentary that a, a little short documentary of you and your in your last studio and it was it looked incredible it was it was in the back of a letterpress space right yeah the um i my friend from mass art is is a letterpress printer and she was working in a space in brooklyn that's like a gold mine for letterpress printers it's like it's like a museum of old type wooden type um there's like an old linotype machine out there just like it feels like you're walking to a museum they actually used it they used it as a set in that movie that came out with meryl street that like with the washington post the post it was called the post Mm. And so, like Spielberg was up in the studio, <laughs> kicked me out of my studio for a week. I was like, "Hey, I'm Spielberg." <laughs> um, but I got hooked up with a space through um, my friend, and they just had this extra space in the back that was like dusty gloves and like paper that needed to get thrown away. So I just cleared out the zone and super affordable, which is why I still have it. Like I'm holding on to it and. I can go there when I have bigger projects. Like there were a couple, there was a series of five larger paintings I was working on last year. So I would go to the city and just chill there for a week or so and, and be in my big old studios on there a little bit. So as far as uh, what you're working on now, is there anything that you're looking forward to for upcoming projects? Yeah. This is, I was like, I was like trying to prepare for this again. I was like, damn, what am I working on right now? But I'm, I'm growing a baby in my body right now. <laughs> so that's like, that's kind of taken up a lot of my energy. And that's, that's another kind of element of the balance that comes through where I'm just like, okay, I'm not working and grinding like I'm used to because my body just like can't put that kind of energy out right now. And I'm, I'm trying to enjoy it, but I also feel I feel a little trapped in this little, this area right now because I'm used to lifting stuff. I'm used to going full speed and things that would take me an hour kind of take me a whole day now. So I've slowed down, to be honest, but lucky that I have some commissions to work on. And then I don't know what the heck is going to be next. I have no idea. I'm going to keep on painting, but I just don't know... I have a beautiful big desk space, but I think I'm going to have to kind of work small and it's going to shift what time is for me and, and making is, but that might make me just grind harder because I'll have these like little windows of opportunity to make work. And, and also my whole entire like psyche is probably about to change giving birth. So. <laughs> I'm just being open-ended right now, to be honest. I think that's very smart. I think that's the right thing. I'm not to have expectations because yeah. I have no idea what what's about to go down. But well it's gonna be beautiful. I'm a I'm a new parent myself and it's uh I've never put out so much work, but that's because I'm not the mom. Yeah, yeah that's also the truth. Luckily, my my partner in the game, we like we had like a whole sit down before we even decided to try and have a baby, and we're like, all right, this is what like how are we going to keep this balance? How are we going to hope to raise this babe? Like, how are we also going to support each other still being individuals? Because that's super important to us existing. Yeah, basically what I'm trying to say is I got, I'm lucky that I have a partner who's also artistic and driven and, and we can kind of try and keep the, the balance going with um, this, this new life. Any daddy advice from Oliver? Yeah, what do we got, Oliver? 
Oh, um, geez, guys, uh, I wasn't prepared for this either, but uh, just enjoy it. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of time to um, do other things, but there's only this moment in your life that, uh, well, who knows if there's more of them, but um, it's it's going to, yeah, it's going to change your brain chemistry. It's going to change how you look at everything and it's going to improve your life so much that it's hard to even describe there's this well of love that you're gonna tap that you didn't know existed that's parenthood that's at least what i've uh, glimpsed of parenthood because i'm still just a new jack at this i'm a i'm a simp i'm a sucker i'm a fool on the street but that's what i've learned in the in the seven months of being ruby's dad and being a partner to christine so it's it's uh it's really incredible that you're 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 experiencing it and I'm happy for you. It's gonna be a wild ride. <laughs> cool. And what else? Anything you want to tell us that our interview questions have not touched on? Trying to think. You dropped the bombshell on this on this podcast right now, and yeah, it's gonna be oh man, whoa. People are going to be freaking out when they hear that. I, I hope so. I hope so. I don't know. I guess I'm just hyped to be able to get on the call with you all and still have the, the Boston Connect going on because that's the, the homeland back there. It is. We love that you were our very first poster artist for our very first incredibly uh, going out on a limb exercise of starting the Boston Art Book Fair. So it's like part of like... Yeah. awesome team whatever we really appreciate that that was so was important chapter it was it was sweet to just go back into into my like college memory lane of all the the spots that stood out to me especially in the north end cannolis i feel like that was like the number one memory of, of my time <laughs> just terrible maybe i'm just craving some ricotta right now i don't know you know that whole street right now in, in north end is bumping just they have outdoor seating now mm. yeah it's just like it's how it you wanted life to be but uh there's also the specter of everyone getting covid so there you have it i know just keeping my fingers crossed that we can maintain, but it's looking a little sketch out there. Well, good thing you have a cabin in the woods. Good thing, yeah. Just hiding out. Hiding out up here. I think I have one more line of question. I don't want to start this all up again if we're at a good place for whatever, but I've also like love the weird collection of music that you drew and painted and that. And I wonder like I tried so hard to try to think of like, is there an emotional connection among these? Are you trying to tell us something here? Like Randy also, she also forced her intern to make a playlist of all the music. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> should have called me. I had, I had one already. <laughs> Are you? She loved it. Ellen, shout out to Ellen. Without also without whom there wouldn't be a, a podcast here. But no, we love. I don't know. Music really important to us too, right? Yeah. So. Super cool to have oh, yeah, that part of it. DJ Mac over there. Um, I <laughs> DJ Gucci. I I ended up. It was it was definitely like community driven that project with the music because uh, it was still it was like COVID winter and I I sent out a call on social media and I also made old school flyers where you like pull the tag uh, off to send, oh, to, send to my email a, like a song they requested basically. So I compiled a master playlist of song, like favorite songs of 
strangers, like through the internet or through these flyers and whatnot. And a lot of the music I had never even heard of before. It was like, there's a whole range. So that was sweet because instead of me just like kind of like uh, tapping into my songs that I keep on repeat all the time, I got a new body of music and then the the challenge of kind of trying to find color that went with that that came to mind when I listened to that music. The way the way that it works is I usually I'll play the song I play the song and I have my headphones in so I can it's like really like in my brain. And then I close my eyes and usually the first three colors that come to mind in like I don't know a few seconds I hold on to. But then the song can kind of change and pick up. So then I, it's kind of like reading a poem. So you have like a first impression when you read a poem right away. You read, you have to read through it. And then you kind of can go back into the poem and sort of like find the, the symbolism or the, like the, the reading between the lines undercurrent of, of the vibration of the poem. And so that's kind of what I do when I'm listening to the music is I... I get my first impression. I listen to it as a whole. And then I go back in to be like, all right, where was like my gut on with these first three colors. And, um, and then I listen to it on repeat because it takes me about half an hour to mix the colors. So I'm listening to the song like five times in a row, but that was like the, the real nitty gritty breakdown of that. And, and I, I think I tried to make them that series, the same size as like a CD think that they were like maybe they were a little bigger because i think cds are like four by five or five by five i don't know but they were around that size so i was thinking about like the disc within a square um and then having that make sense there that is so i i that is i would have never guessed that randy were you the one who uh submitted my neck my back by kia to that playlist as your favorite was my sister (laughs) Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. That one was a pretty raunchy. One. I I just got that on. Uh, I got the that on like a, a a single, and I got the acapella of that. So I have this like DJ routine where that drops over um, Mariah Carey "Fantasy" with ODB. God, the ODB version is so good. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I played that the last time I I DJed out at um at Ojoko, and I think we were all. At you you were there for one of the parties, but uh, it was like the last it was like the last iteration of that hip hop party. Mm-hmm. So fun, yeah. So what's that on repeat good. now? Right now, what do I have on repeat? I was listening to Jada Kiss this morning, and I scared my dog. <laughs> <laughs> so then I just turned on. I think I've been listening to a lot of like podcasts and books on tape because they get me in like a a state where I can lose track of time. So the the book on tape that I've been listening to recently is this Malcolm Gladwell book. It's basically like sociology, linguistics, uh, human history, kind of in general, why things have played out the way they are. So like there could be this certain event in time that you could kind of write off as like, oh, that was a mess up or that was just like this, this happenstance. But then when you examine it a little bit closer, you can go back in history and realize that there's like a very specific series of events that led to this moment. And, um, and it was kind of like out of their control. 
So that's really interesting to me, just breaking down moments in time. And that, yeah, I guess that's it. But as far as music, my boyfriend, like we're in the woods. So my boyfriend's always playing like slow, folky, <laughs> woodsy music. And I'm like, I need some, I need some hip hop and rap going on right now. So that there's like a, a heady contrast in the household, but it works. Jadakus gave me uh, advice on how to organize my closet when he came by our store our store opening in LA that's that's how that's how I bonded with him and then um yo I just listened to all the Malcolm Gladwell books on tape really wow and the thing is you, you described what what you were listening to and I had no idea which, which book it was what book it was cuz all of them kind of blend it's maybe it's like what the dog saw it was um, it's one word oh outliers 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 yeah all right yeah but a lot, a lot of it blends together. But it's, it's so, yeah. I mean, it res, it resonates and it hits so hard with so many things that we, we all have in our brain boxes. Oh yeah, and I would just wish that I, it would like sponge in my head more. I think that it's difficult. There's so much information out there now, and it's easy to, it's easy to ingest, but it's hard to like make a part of your bones because there's so much of it. So even like, I was, I was like thinking like, okay, if they're going to ask me about like a fun fact that I just learned, I've been learning so much listening to this book, but I don't really have the, the ability. Wait, we want a fun fact. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, I was about to like take a poll on Instagram being like, hello, send me your fun facts. I don't have anything to accept. How about a recipe? We'll take a recipe. All right. No, I'll give you a fact. I have this. This is one. This is one that uh, hopefully I won't let you down with. But <laughs> the word, uh, the origin of the the phrase "under the weather," like to be to feel sick, comes from but like back in the day boat logs when like the sailors are out to sea and they're keeping track of like how many meters they went and where the stars were in the sky and what the weather was like. At the end of the day, in the logbook, they'd write, okay, it was like sunny and windy. And then underneath the weather in the logbook was they would write all the sick people's name, like who was sick <gasps> today. So ah. if you were like listed under the weather, that was, you were sick. You were one of the sick cases on there. <laughs> so that's, really, that's my fun fact for the day. Follow I love it. That is an excellent fun fact. And you probably kicked out our first, um, whatever, standing feature of our podcast. Oliver, say our name of our podcast. Uh, you're listening to Weird Sounds, uh, audio compendium to the Boston Art Book Fair and the Boston Center for the Arts. We're going to do, do a drop and we might get Jadakus to do an intro where he pretends he's a bird. And talks about how the streets of New York need this. That's, this would be, that would be a real beautiful thing. That would be the highlight of my year. If that goes down. Yeah, when, next time you go back to New York, please listen to Hot 9-7. And around like 6 p.m., Funkmaster Flex starts just like ranting. And then he'll he'll use like the the explosion sound effect over and over again. It hypes me up so much. I like I like <laughs> live for that. That's my favorite thing. And the rap four, just the horns are blowing, blah, 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 and then 
cute. I'm really bad at sound effects. You should edit that out. But we could add them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that that's to me. That's the energy of of New York that we all miss. There's also there's this other station that's more like old school soul music. It, it's 107.5, and um in Brooklyn, and there's this guy. Oh shit! His name's Lenny Green. I like want to name my son Lenny Green just because of him. And he just like he's the smoothest cat of all time. Just has like this beautiful voice. Is always talking about love. He has like callers come in and they're giving them their love anecdotes. And he's like, you know, just keep doing your thing. I encourage this. I support you. Blah blah blah. And then puts on some beautiful Al Green song or something. And I just never want to get out of my car because I just want to chill with Lenny Green all night. But yeah, the radio stations in Brooklyn, I really miss as well. So sometimes I have to log on online because we don't get them up here. Well, that paints a picture. Driving through Brooklyn, listen to Lenny Green. Green late night. Yeah. Well, I think we've, we've, I think we've run out of tape. And Guys, we could, uh, this is so yeah. nice. I love. I could listen to the two of you forever. <laughs> I think this is like great. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll force you to because if you ever become like a religious extremist, <laughs> they're gonna they're gonna they're gonna surround your your compound and blare the podcast into your your space and then tear gas you. <laughs> okay, jeez, <laughs> That's my hope. At least that's the goal of the podcast to become like what they use on. Dissidents. Oh I see. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, I'm excited to be able to share share some time with you guys. Yeah, it was nice catching up with you. Yeah, I'll hit you up next time I'm in the big city, which will be kind of soon because I'm having my baby out in Massachusetts because I'm, I'm a strict mass hole. So I'm oh. going the extra mile to have the baby back in mass. But yeah, I'll let you know. Keep it posted. Little Lenny Green. Little Lenny Green. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if that's going to win over, but it's on the, on the list. We'll see what he looks like when he comes out. All right. Well, we'll save him. We'll dedicate this podcast to him. If, <laughs> if that's who we uh, need. Just really. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. So thank much. you. Oh yeah. This is so great. great to hang.